I think when you turn the news on, there should be a warning that says, watch at your own risk. Anybody agree? That's not healthy to watch the news right now. It's, it's painful. So I had some thoughts about the news. You know how sometimes you're watching the news and they'll say, breaking news. So it's this breaking news is more important than whatever you, they were talking about, right? And so there was some breaking news that had happened. I don't know if you heard about this, but uh, breaking news was that Bill Gates, who invented Microsoft, right? He's a gazillionaire that he had agreed to pay for the, the Donald Trump's wall that he wanted to build south of the border. There was one condition, though. He gets to install windows. There's more. Breaking news. A nine-year-old girl, she disappeared after using moisturizer cream that makes you look 10 years younger. Um, did you know that Ikea is a Swedish company? How many shop at Ikea? Nobody. All right. Janelle tears up Ikea. We get, she's good at that stuff. But anyway, the CEO of Ikea has been elected prime minister of Sweden. Did you hear about that? He's currently assembling his cabinet. Okay. In reality... The evening news is where they begin with, good evening. Then they proceed to tell you why it isn't a good evening. True? Um, When you get the news wrong, it causes some serious problems. When the facts aren't straight, right? That happens. And back in the day when we actually had paper newspapers, you know, paper newspapers, we had, we read the paper. Um, I found some of these where they got the news wrong. Check out this first one. Forecasters call for weather on Monday. No kidding. And then this one. Amphibious pitcher makes debut. (laughs) That's a true thing where a guy threw left-handed and right-handed. He would just take his glove off. He had a glove for both hands, but he's not, he's ambidextrous, right? Is the right word. Next, cows lose their jobs as milk prices drop. (laughs) Put them guys to work. All right. Mississippi's literacy program shows improvement. M-I-S-S-I-S-S-I-P-P-I, right? One Mississippi, two Mississippi. All right, next. Uh, Breathing oxygen linked to staying alive. Who knew, right? Yeah, follow the science. Oops, did I say that? Um, It's important to get the news correct. It's important. We're in a new series we started last week in the book of Romans. How many love the book of Romans? I love Romans. If you haven't read the book of Romans, it's just after the book of Acts in the New Testament. And it's an amazing letter. Paul, the apostle, writes to the the church at Rome that had started because of the day of Pentecost. Uh, Roman citizens heard the gospel in Jerusalem and brought it back to Rome and started a church. And so Paul, throughout the letter, says, I can't wait to come see you. I'm going to come see you on my way to Spain. And Paul ended up in Rome, but it wasn't to see the church. It was to be martyred, to be thrown in jail for preaching this other kingdom and this other King Jesus. And 
Rome, the Roman Empire was so proud that they didn't even want to hear about this spiritual king or kingdom. But Romans is an incredible deep dive into the, to the heart of the good news. The word gospel means good news. It's the same thing. I think it's great news. Like it is the great news about what Jesus has done in his life, death, and resurrection. And last week, if you weren't here, we, we st- and you can always go back and hear our messages on the app or online or watch on the YouTube because we have our full service on YouTube. But last week we started how Paul bring, he brought the bad news first, if you remember, he said that, that all of humanity, there's bad news towards humanity, that we're under universal guilt. And what are we guilty of is determining for ourselves what's right and wrong and good and evil. And he says, it doesn't matter if you're the hedonist who's out, live it up, party hard, and then die, or if you're the moralist who thinks they're superior because they follow the rules or the legalist, you're all guilty. We're all guilty of trying to find God in, in the, the wrong way. And so Paul gives that bad news, but then he, he's doing that to tee up the good news. Because right in the middle of chapter 3, he pivots. And he says, but apart from the law, we can be justified. The law of Moses. He says this in, in chapter 3, verse 28, for we maintain that a person is justified by faith apart from the works of the law. We talked briefly last week, law can be thought of in, in three uh, avenues. There's the, the moral law of God, the Ten Commandments. And then there's the ceremonial laws of the law of Moses and Leviticus and Exodus that separated the Jewish people outwardly and also ordered society for sure. And then there's civil law. So when he's talking about the works of the law, he's talking about the law of Moses, all the thou shalts and thou shalt nots, right? And so Paul makes this this pivot in chapter 3, but then illustrates it here in chapter 4, which is what we're going to go through this morning. So by way of quick review is what is the good news? Because the message last week was, have you heard the news? This week's, have you heard the news? Part two, what is the good news? With all the bad news that we have in the world that we hear daily, how many know we need some good news? We need some really good news. We need to be reminded, as Christy, who is a, was, was basically raised on the pew of a church, she's being vulnerable and saying, I need to be reminded I'm loved. I'm forgiven. We all need to be reminded because we forget so quickly how deeply loved we are. So the good news is this. Jesus did for us what we could never do for ourselves. What did he do? He came into this world. God the Son came into this world. He became fully human just like you and I are. He entered the fallen world of Adam. And he took on flesh. He lived a perfect life as a human. He is what it means to be human. We're becoming human, looking at Jesus' life, a a selfless life, an others-centered, denying ourselves. We're all in that process of becoming like Jesus. And in his life, death, and resurrection, he overcame our three enemies. The three enemies of every person that's ever lived is sin, and he nailed sin to the cross. Second uh, Corinthians 5.21 says, He who knew no sin, Jesus, 
became sin that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ. So he bore that on the cross. Then he defeated death, which is our other enemy, and he, he takes away the fear of death because he conquered death by his submission to it, and then his resurrection from the grave overcame death so that you and I, death now just becomes for us a doorway into his eternal presence and all that he has planned for us. We don't have to fear death. And then he overcame the evil one. He overcame the kingdom of darkness. He stripped through the cross the authority of the powers and principalities that had authority over this, over this physical world. So what should our response to the good news be? What should our response be? Our response is faith. Our response is faith. And the word faith really means trust. To faith, trust, and belief all are interchangeable, right? They're integrated together. To have faith in Jesus is to trust Jesus. To have faith in the Father is to have trust in the Father. And last week, I kind of closed out with that, that repentance is a way of life. And repentance literally means to change your mind and to change your direction. When we repent, and that's not a one-time deal. It is a daily, sometimes moment by moment, Lord, my attitude stinks right now. I'm going to repent. I'm going to change my thinking. I'm going to change my direction. Lord, my behavior, whatever it is, you fill in the blank. Our Christian life is a lifestyle of repentance. But also today we're going to learn that faith is a way of life. Paul's going to demonstrate that for us in chapter 4 here, that faith is a way of life. Everything we do is by faith. You got up this morning and got into a car by faith that you believed was going to start. You use your cell phone. There's probably maybe 1% of people in this room or watching online that can explain how a cell phone, I hit a few buttons, it sends a signal into outer space, and then two seconds later, my wife gets a text that says, while she's at the store, and says, don't forget my Doritos, right? I mean, something as simple as that. That's by faith. The, the, The internet is a trip to think about space, the universe, everything we do is truly by faith. And here's what I know. Jesus wants to grow your faith. He wants to grow my faith. The book of Hebrews chapter 11 says that faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction or confidence of things not seen. And the writer of Hebrews goes on to say that without faith, it's impossible to please God. So faith is a really, really big deal. The word faith or believe is used 485 times in the New Testament. Jesus always was talking about whether you had great faith or little faith. He was moved by people's faith, whether it was great faith or little faith. So he wants to grow our faith. In Romans 4, Paul makes a case that For all of humanity's relationship with God, it's always been by faith. It wasn't some new thing in the New Testament or the law of Moses or whatever, but it's always been by faith throughout the Bible. And the first uh, person of faith he talks about is the faith of Abraham. Abraham. I love Abraham. What a calling. If you go through the early 
parts of Genesis, Genesis 1 through 10. You see creation, you see Adam and Eve, you see the fall, you see corruption and depravity really enter into the world in Genesis 6. God does a reset of, of creation and the world gets, the flood happens. He saves Noah and his family. Noah and his family uh, go and, and, and repopulate the world. And by the time you get to the end of chapter 10, the clans of Noah and his family are going throughout you know, the known world. And then in chapter 11, you see how quickly again, mankind went corrupt. Started determining what was right and wrong and good and evil by themselves without letting God determine what is good and evil and right and wrong. The fear of the Lord is a healthy respect for God's definition of right and wrong and good and evil. That's what it means to walk in the fear of the Lord. Chapter 11 of Genesis, people began to not fear the Lord and they build the Tower of Babel. And, and they're trying to, to get to God and usurp God and all this stuff that goes you know, behind the understanding of, of what's going, what the message is behind that. But then it says, in, in the, towards the end of chapter 11, there's this guy named Abram. And he's later changes, the, God changes his name to Abraham. But he calls Abram out of worshiping the moon gods and the pagan gods. He says, you know what? I'm going to start over with a covenant people through you, Abraham. And Abraham believes God. And he sets out on this journey of getting to know God and walking in faith with God. Now, what I love about Scripture is all the main characters, except for Jesus, made huge mistakes, bonehead mistakes by a lot of them, right? And we can all relate to to people who fail and make mistakes. Obviously, Jesus didn't do that. But Abraham's right there. Abraham was called a friend of God, but he also made mistakes. Romans 4.3, for what does the Scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. It was counted to him as righteousness. For trusting when God said, Abraham, I'm going to make a great nation out of you. Look at the stars. They're so numerous. That's going to be your offspring. That's going to be your people. And he said, look up. I mean, it's, it's a metaphor for you can't count the number of, of people that are going to be from your line. And so righteousness comes from faith. Righteousness comes from faith, not works. Paul in chapter 4 is trying to show these people and us today that, that the law of Moses is not a ladder to try to get up to God. God came to us. And when we make law and rules and do's and don'ts a ladder to get to God, we're going to make great mistakes. We, we, the, the, the law was given to lead and guide us, not to be a means of righteousness. So he's using Abraham's faith and life as an illustration because Abraham preceded the law of Moses. There was no law when Abraham lived, when he was called, but it's still his faith was credited to him as righteousness. Then he shifts in this chapter, he talks about the faith of David. I love David. What might be one of my favorite Bible characters. Um, think about David's life and calling. He's a guy living under the law of Moses. He's um, the youngest of many brothers. He's not much to look at. 
Um, he's overlooked in many ways by his brothers. And Israel wanted a king. And so they call out for a king. God says, listen, I'll be your king. They say, no, we want to be like the other nations. So God concedes. King Saul gets called to be the king of Israel. And right out of the gate, he fails. And God strips his kingship from him. And he gives it to David. David runs in the wilderness for 10 years, fleeing from King Saul, who was trying to kill him. I mean, his life was, was, was crazy. And God said that he was a man after his own heart. How many want to be people after God's heart? I do. I want God to say that about me. But here's what I know about David. He failed greatly too. In 1 Samuel, after he was king and Israel was kind of, you know, starting to dominate in the world, the kingdom of Israel was growing, says that, that David's armies were out at battle, but David stayed home. And David, at, in those, the Bible times, the kings were the ones that led their armies into battle. David, for some reason, took a little furlough. He took some time off, took some idle time. And we read in 1 Samuel that David one night was up on the top deck of the palace. And he looks down and he sees a young woman named Bathsheba bathing. And instead of being on the battlefield, doing what he was supposed to do, this idleness led him to great sin. He calls for Bathsheba. He comes has her come to him. He sleeps with her. What a, what a terrible use of power that that is. But what, she she in a, had no choice. He's using his king's power to take advantage of this lady he's attracted to, who's not his wife, who's actually married to a guy named Uriah. Bathsheba comes to David and says, I'm pregnant. So David, in a very devious way, this man after God's own heart, don't forget, says, okay, call for Uriah to come from the battle to come home. And then he'll sleep with his wife and everything will be good. We'll cover this thing up. Well, Uriah was a man of integrity. He said, David, I'm not going to do that. He said, I'm supposed to be out at battle, not at, not at home being lazy. So David said, dang it, put him on the front line. Make sure he gets killed. So David is an adulterer and now a murderer as a man after God's own heart. Great, great failure, right? Well, we know that David repented. He finally came to his senses. And he's penned Psalm 51 and he admits his guilt. He takes responsibility for the depths of his failure. And he, he, he comes around, and, and uh, Paul writes about this in Romans 4. He says, David also speaks of the blessing of the person to whom God credits righteousness apart from works. Now, he's quoting Psalm 32. Blessed are those whose lawless deeds have been forgiven and whose sins have been covered. Blessed is the man whose sin the Lord will not take into account. David knew his own sin and failures. Here's what I love about David, and I think this is for somebody this morning. 
In the middle of his sin and failure, David did not run from God. He ran to God. And I know too many people who have failures or create patterns of failure in their life, and we run from God. Like somehow God can't see us, right? And we run from Him rather than running to the One who is always extending mercy and grace. In Psalm 51, we're told that, that God will never, ever reject a repented and contrite heart. You can't find that anywhere in Scripture. God is always ready to forgive. So if you're in the midst of something that's bringing guilt and shame in your life, don't run from God, run to Him. He's the only source that's going to bring healing and hope and help. You can't do it on your own. He loves you. There's this understanding how much He loves you as the only way to truly change. So faith is taking Him at His word. Believing His promises. That blessed is the man or woman whose sin the Lord will not take into account. David pens in Psalm 103. He says, as far as the east is from the west... So has God taken our sin from us. That's a beautiful picture there. So we got the faith of Abraham, the faith of David, and now the faith of believers. The faith of believers. The good news transforms us. As we put our faith in the gospel, we are transformed. Not in our works, not in our good deeds, not in our lists of I did good this day, bad day. Oh, I had more good days than bad days. I must be okay. Move that thing away. Burn it. And start relating to God through His love that we find in the good news. Our relationship with God. This hit me. Do you know what God's, the Father's disposition towards you is? It's Jesus. How does He feel about you? Jesus. For God so loved you, He gave His one and only Son. That if you believe in Him, you won't perish, but have everlasting life. His disposition, His countenance towards you and I is love. Jesus is the smile of God upon your life. He is the I love you upon your life. I love you so much. Look at Jesus and you'll know. Paul says, in Romans 4.16, For this reason it is by faith, in order that it may be in accordance with grace, so that the promise will be guaranteed to all the descendants, not only to those who are of the law, meaning the Jews, but also to those who are of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. We call him Father Abraham. The Jews call him Father Abraham, and us non-Jewish believers get to call him Father Abraham too. We are of the faith of Abraham that when he looked up at the stars and believed God and trusted him, and it was credited as righteousness. Listen to this. This is so powerful. In Galatians, Paul says, therefore recognize that it is those who are of faith who are sons of Abraham. The Scripture foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham saying, all the nations will be blessed in you. So then those who are of faith are blessed with Abraham, the believer. Did you hear what he said? He preached the gospel to Abraham in Genesis 12, 13, 14, 15. When he told him, I'm going to make you a great nation. And from your line, Abraham is going to come the Messiah. 
the one who is going to save the world, the one who is, is Lord of all and Savior of all. He preached the gospel to him. We, we were in Israel in 2019, and we get to go again next month. And when we were in, in Israel this last time, when you go up to the north, kind of near the Syrian border, uh, there's all kinds of cool things, but we couldn't go in to, to this, past the Syrian border. But our guide showed us the mountain. I could see with my own eyes the mountain where God spoke to Abraham, and he got the vision that the number of the stars is going to be your offspring, those who are going to be in my son, Jesus Christ. And as we read that passage, and I looked at that mountain, I was overwhelmed. I began to sob like a, a little baby. Because when Abraham looked up and saw those stars, he saw me. He saw you. He saw you. You were there. We're in. The faith of Abraham is all about Jesus and God crediting righteousness to us through trusting and simply believing in him and then allowing him to change us and to transform us. And then Paul does a cool thing here in in chapter 4. He talks about faith for all circumstances. Faith for all circumstances. It's the good news continued. It's learning to trust God. We trust Him with the most important thing about us, and that's eternal life. That's salvation. But then we also learn to trust Him with everyday life. That He can be trusted with every circumstance, every situation we find ourselves in. He can be trusted and we can put our faith in Him. That's the good news continuing on. The good news is past, present, and future. He says this, Therefore the promise comes by faith, so that it may be by grace and may be guaranteed to all Abraham's offspring. That's you. Not only to those who are of the law, the Jews, but also to those who have the faith of Abraham. That's you. He is the father of us all, as it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. He is our father in the sight of God in whom he believed, the God who gives life to the dead and calls into being things that were not. Wow. Against all hope, Abraham, in hope, believed and so became the father of many nations. Just as it had been said to him, so shall your offspring be. Without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead since he was about a hundred years old, and that Sarah, his wife, her womb was also dead. Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God. What's the promise? That he was going to have a son to continue um, this, this line. But was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had power to do what he had promised. This is why it was credited to him as righteousness. The words, it was credited to him, were written not for him alone, but also for Novation Church, us, to every believer to whom God will credit righteousness for us who believe in him who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead. Let's camp here for a second. If you're new to the Bible, the story of Abraham and Sarah, they couldn't conceive a child. They, they didn't have a child of their own. And just like God doing 
speaking in miracle language, says, you guys are going to have a son. And that son is going to continue on this promise. Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. But this son did not come in their timing. So if you know the story, they took matters in their own hands. And Sarah brings her maidservant to Abraham so that he would sleep with her and get her pregnant, and that's how she would get a son. That's how this would go on. And it happened, and Ishmael was born, and God says, I'll bless him, but he's not the one. You two old farts are going to have a baby together. Will you trust me, old people? And actually, when God said that, Sarah laughed. She was like, right. God, I've looked in the mirror. I know how old I am. He says, no, you're going to have a son. And that's why the son that they conceived, his name is Isaac. And Isaac means laugh or laughter. So they get a son. God gives the power, works a miracle. that people who are unable to conceive a child, conceive a child. Two things stood out to me here. He says that that Abraham believed the God who gives life to the dead. That's salvation. The New Testament teaches us that we were dead in our sin or our transgressions. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1. We were dead. We We were unable to see God. We were unable to understand life from God's perspective. That's what Jesus talks the language of being born again. You have to be awakened, so to speak, from the dead to believe and have faith and have trust in this God who loves us. But then he says that he creates things out of nothing. He calls into being things that were not. Only God can do that. When God created the heavens and the earth, he didn't go to Home Depot and get some materials and slap it together. He had nothing and just said, boop, I call it into existence because he's God. Creation is a miracle in itself. It is a miracle. He is the, and and as we see for Abraham and Sarah, he's the God of breakthrough. He's the God of miracles. We need to believe him for breakthroughs. Don't depend upon your feelings or your circumstances. Feelings lie. And feelings are like riding a roller coaster anyway. You're up, you're down, you're up, you're down. In circumstances, we don't put our, our faith in our circumstances. We put our eyes and faith on Jesus. Life brings difficulty. I love the honesty of Jesus. John 16, In this life, you will have trials and sorrows of many kind. But take courage. I've overcome the world. He said, I've done it. You just keep living this life knowing you're going to have difficulties and bumps and bruises. Trust me. Our life of following Jesus is a life of trust. Will I trust him when, when there's not enough provision? Will I trust him when my job stinks? Will I trust him when I'm believing him for some kind of breakthrough? Keep, keep trusting and powering through that with his grace. Last Sunday, um, there was a football game. I don't know if you know if football happens on Sundays or not, but... Um, on Monday, I saw this uh, press conference for a linebacker from the New Orleans Saints. His name is DeMario, and he 
preached the gospel. He didn't talk about football. He talked about something that God had, the God of breakthrough, the God who raises the dead, the God who creates out of nothing what he had done for him just this past week. And I thought I would share this with you as a testimony that will build your faith. Am I good to go? Oh, man, uh, I got a lot to say, so y'all buckle up. Uh, I started to realize something. Um, man, we play this game on Sundays, and it's really the Lord's Day. And the day we should be worshiping the Lord, a lot of times players are getting worshiped, and we get to go on this ball field. So since so many of us didn't get to go to church today, I have a word that I want to share. I know this is a little untraditional, so like I said, buckle up. Uh, Revelations 3.20 says, see, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and dine with him and eat with him and he with me. I want to tell y'all about a knock that I heard this week. A lot of people don't know this, but on Friday, my daughter, she's four years old, she had her third um, epilepsy seizure attack. It's my same daughter who uh, survived retinoblastoma. Uh, she's been totally clear to that. But she had her, her third um, seizure, and it's been almost two years. She was uh, about a month away. If she would have had no seizures for one more month, then she would have been off the medicine. But now we have to start that clock all the way over. It was on Friday when we was, a bunch of kids were over the house, and she was playing, and I noticed something was off. Um, and I told her mom I thought she was having a seizure. Her mom was pretty good. She, she saw it, my wife. And we took her in her room, didn't want to cause a scene. And she started to foam at the mouth. And uh, it was her worst seizure. For 30 minutes, um, she seized. Um, she wouldn't come, and we had to call the uh, paramedics. They came. And so over the course of time, it ended up being a total of 30 minutes. They got her in. My wife got in the paramedics with her. I got behind them driving. Um, you can imagine all the thoughts that's racing through your mind. The last sight you see of your daughter is she's totally out of it. Um, got to the hospital, and my wife told me that my daughter stopped breathing in the car twice. Um, so I'm, of course, praying. We get to the hospital. They put, give a bunch of medicine. They should seize the stop. She's laying there. And at this point, if she sees for 30 minutes, you, 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 you start to fear there could be development issues that could mess with her brain. Um, you know, she stopped breathing. If there was no oxygen going to her brain, you know, you're starting to think about her speech be slurred or anything um, or worse. So we prayed and we prayed, and she had medicine, and, and my wife and I had to stay overnight at the hospital. And in the middle of the night, probably about 3 o'clock, I heard a knock. And the knock, the knock was my daughter. I prayed for her. I said, God, let this just be an attack from the enemy that's just trying to be a distraction. And let him have overplayed his hand. And my daughter come back stronger than before. When I heard my daughter talk in the middle of the night, and my daughter, she doesn't have any develop, development issues, praise God. She doesn't have any slurred speech you know, prior to this. She woke up talking clearer than she was talking before. Now, anyone who deals with epilepsy knows that it takes a little a few days for them to come back. You know, they usually can get back to normal wherever they were, um, but it takes a couple of days. They're groggy. It's a lot because what their body is like, it's like the TV just static in their brain. She was talking clearer than before. And it was 3 o'clock, and we heard her talk, and we let her talk for about 20 minutes. And we said, hey, baby, it's, it's, it's nighttime. Let's go back to sleep. You know, and I just prayed. I started saying, praise God, praise God. The next morning, 
when she got up, my daughter was so sharp. She was able to talk to her, me and her mom. I mean, clear conversation. She's sharp for a four-year-old. No stuttering. All her words clear. And my daughter, like I said, my daughter is already sharp. She was sharper than before. And if any of, if any of you were able to have a conversation with my daughter, you wouldn't know anything had ever happened. So we had a birthday party for my seven-year-old daughter that day. She got to be released from the hospital, and she came back home, and it was as if nothing was happening. She was playing with the kids the day before, and she had the worst seizure that she had ever had. And the next day, she's back out there playing with the kids. Now, of course, we can't let her get overstimulated. We have to keep bringing her in, have to keep cooling her down, can't let her do too much just because of protocol. But when I tell you uh, I, I got a chance to see hear a knock from God, and what I want to share is – we get to play this game, and it's great. And there's so many amazing things that happen in that game, and everybody wants to hear about them. But when we go lead this game, we go back to being regular people. And regular people are living life, and people are waiting for a knock. And the word says who Jesus is. He's knocking at the door. All you got to do is get up. And so on the way, man, I'm, I'm, I'm nervous, but I'm praying, and I'm trusting, and I'm believing. And I'm asking for my daughter to make it through. I'm asking that she's better than before. And God gave me just what I asked for plus some. I was blown away. And at that point, I knew, well, I, the game is already, it's the game is going to take care of itself. My, my knock had already been, been answered. And I just want people to know, like, if you got stuff going on in your life, lay it before the Lord. Lay it before the Lord and trust. And be expecting of a knock. Because the word says what you have to do is you have to get up and open the door. He's not going to open the door for you. He's going to knock. But you have to be listening and waiting for the knock. And when you see it, you have to get up and open the door. And your blessing is going to be there. Now, I'm going to be here to talk about football next week. I wish y'all well. Happy Sunday and praise God. Thank y'all. We, did, we didn't even have to give him an honorarium for being here. That's awesome. Isn't that powerful? But that's not just for him, that's for you and I. And so, stand with me this morning. Here's what, we're going to sing a song that talks about how good God is. That he is good. And in his goodness, he wants to overwhelm you with his love. He wants you to have breakthrough. He's knocking. He's knocking all the time. Scott, let me into that problem. Scott, let me into that broken relationship. Scott, let me into your attitude. I'm knocking. He's knocking on all of our, our hearts today because Jesus has done everything for us, but he also calls us to participate with him. We don't merit anything by our participation. We grow and we're transformed. And so I wonder today, where do you need faith and a breakthrough? First of all, agree with Jesus. That's faith that he's Lord of all and savior of all. That's what it means to come to Christ, to give your life to him. You agree. And as we sing this song this morning, would you allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you and to touch your life? Don't worry about what's going on after church or what you're cooking or what game's going on. Just for a few minutes. Let him have all of your mind and your thoughts. And if this morning as we're singing you feel so moved, come forward here as 
just an act of, Lord, I'm here. I'm answering. You don't have to do that, but that might be one way God wants you to experience. In your seat where you're at, experience him. Let him give you the breakthrough that you need.
do you feel a little more filled up right now than before you got here? That was his plan for you. It's not about me or the worship team. It's about him, what he's doing in and through each one of us individually and coming together to support one another, to be the church, be with the church and be the church. We come and we be together. We go on out of here to go be the church into a broken world that needs love and needs that demonstration of love and the power of prayer and the power of truth. So I want to invite you back Wednesday night um, for our worship and prayer night. If you can make it, it's going to be very simple, but powerful. God's got um, good things for us. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to sign up, um, but just come hungry and we'll continue on. So may the God of all peace, the God of all grace, the God of all love impart to you today a fresh awareness of his glory and goodness in the face of Jesus Christ. May he bless you and keep you, make his face shine upon you, be gracious to you. May he lift up your countenance. May he lift your heart and may he fill you today with fresh faith for today and the future. In Jesus' name, amen.